I like to say that I work with the top 10% of income earners, which sounds, you know, unique or, or, or exclusive. It's really not. Most family members, most of my peers are making around six figures, 80 to $120,000 a year. That's top 10% on average in America. And the reason that that's important is the only way that the IRS knows who's wealthy and who isn't is your tax return. So if I'm showing up six figures of income, I'm wealthy. And when you have all these people out there talking about how, you know, raise taxes on the ri- raise taxes on the on the rich people. Guys, there's a reason why Warren Buffett says I pay less tax than my secretary because he's not taking income, he's taking capital gains growth. He's totally different tax situation. And so when people are making six figures and 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 trying to buy two cars for the family and trying to afford the mortgage and hopefully put money away for retirement and trying to save for a kid's college, They're the ones that are in the high tax bracket because they're earning the income. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome to the Better Wealth Podcast. It's your host, Caleb. And man, today I had the opportunity to sit down with a dear friend of mine, Matt Love. And Matt brought the fire, man. He, it was was super fun just, you know, picking his brain about taxes, about life insurance, about retirement, uh, about cash flow versus like net gross and uh we we actually started the interview and, and if you're listening to this you're not you're not going to see it the video of this but we he opened the interview with just showing and sharing his you know his newborn daughter and and explaining how his life uh is a lot different his mindset's a lot different now that he's a father and it's a it's a really fun interview i would love to hear your thoughts and and by the way I would love to hear of those of you that are listening to this podcast that may disagree with some of the things that we say, because that's how I get better. That's how our community gets better. So would love to hear feedback regardless. Without further ado, here's my friend, Matt Love. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. What's up, Caleb? Pleasure to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. And if you're not seeing the, the screen right now, Matt's pretty attractive himself, but he's holding a <laughs> 10 times more attractive baby in his hands that's eyes are just as blue as the ocean. Um, congratulations, man. Thank you. She's uh, seven weeks old last Monday and, uh, she's been a blessing. That's for sure. She sleeps through the night. She's happy. She smiles all the time. Uh, she's a morning person like me. I love it. What's been the biggest difference between now that you have now that you're a father versus pre-fatherhood? You know, your why is definitely affected. Um, my why has always been to help other people prove that they can get what they've wanted so that they can pass on more wealth and, and happiness to generations. And that is affected now because I can see what happens when you become a parent. And my legacy has totally changed now. And I joke with, you know, my clients a couple of weeks ago, I held her up in front of the camera and I said, look, she's a millionaire. Yeah. And she's a millionaire because of the way that we set up assets and the way that we understand how wealth actually works. And um, the opportunity that we have to affect and influence wealth generationally is just massive. And to be able to look at her and know that she's not going to have to worry about a whole lot is pretty, it's pretty special. Pretty cool. It's, it's, it's liberating. It makes me feel good at night. I don't, I don't worry about stuff. Like I used to, just by understanding what we teach. I love it, man. So that's little Lila Bell. Her name's Lila for everyone listening. Lila Bell. I love it. How did you guys come up with the name? We just liked it. We're we're probably going to move to south to like Nashville area, and Tennessee has no state income tax, and right now I'm in Michigan. <laughs> so you can imagine at a four and a half percent income tax, how much we're giving away just to have right. clouds and and, and snow and in our road. cold weather. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. And I think the name Lila Bell is a nice southern name. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going to save some money on taxes and hopefully that'll help 
be able to keep more of what we earn. And I thought that name would fit in pretty well down there. I love it. So Matt, I'm really excited to have you on the show because not only are you a good friend, but you're like, like I need the people that are listening to this to understand that you're like one of the top of the top when it comes to advisors. Like you get the tax code, you understand how to leverage assets. You have a, you have, you're kind of coined for this drive your retirement, which we'll kind of go into. You've written a book, you speak, um, and you just have the most beautiful blue eyes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but, but I've, I've learned so much from you and I'm just grateful that you're in my life. And what I'm excited about is just to kind of capture the way that you think, because we've had, we've had so many conversations that I'm like, Matt, why aren't we recording this? Yeah, I know. Like, it. why aren't we recording this? Because if people understood what well, you and I know, there'd be a line outside the door. I know. I do the same thing. My hope is to capture your backstory because I think it's powerful. And then I want to I want to go through kind of the things that you believe. And that's kind of a big, like, I want to just, I want you to kind of explain EOS. But then I, I want to, like, I want this to be super valuable for the person listening. Like, sure. I want to beat up like we've gone through years of banging our head against the wall figuring this out yes and the cool thing about technology is someone can listen to this conversation and at the end we can transfer that knowledge that we've that we've learned so man i'm it's i'm grateful having you and uh Thanks, I'm excited. It's, it's incredible it's incredible meeting you too and understand and watching you understand the technology side and me working you know the average age of a you know, financial advisor is like 58 years old yeah so they barely they're just learning how to use email let alone understanding podcasts and videos and all that. So to have you come along, you're my favorite teenager in this business. You really are. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, but the value that you've brought in just by connecting with so many um, influential people all over the country has been massive. So thanks for including me in that long list of successful uh, advisors. My pleasure, man. So what's the backstory of, of Matt Love and why, when did you have the epiphany of like, okay, I'm going to quit what I'm currently doing and, and dedicate my life to helping people with the money. Cool. So it's kind of a long story. I'll make it brief. My background was in architecture. I went, I got a master's in architecture. My father and my grandfather were in the financial planning business. And I didn't know what they did for a living until I was like 27 years old. I just had no desire. And here's why. I don't like to gamble. I just never got excited about the stock market because I never liked the idea of losing money. I, I like, I hate losing money more than I like earning a rate of return. Does that make sense? Like when my money, when my value goes down, it just bothered me. I never got excited about it. And at, and at 27 years old, a good friend of mine lost his mom. His mom passed away at like 61. She never spent a day in retirement and all of her money was in a retirement plan. So all of her money was in this plan earmarked for an event she never even got to. Another way to call that is uh, pre-tax. It's a pre-tax account. So the advisor that she had never taught my friend's mom an exit strategy. It's always save, save, save. You need a big pile of money. Everyone listening can relate to this. When was the mm -hmm. last time a client or a, you know the consumer had a conversation with a financial advisor or planner on how to actually spend their money? It's always been saved. What's the whole purpose of saving? Eventually, you want to spend it. So this advisor had never showed my friend's mom how to spend it. And here's why. And this is my opinion now. It's a pre-tax account. So let's say she had a half a million dollars in this pre-tax account. If she liquidated all half a million dollars, my friend's mom would not have a half a million dollars. The IRS would step in and take probably 30, close to 30%. Right. But the advisor is allowed to charge a fee on a half a million dollars. So the, the, the whole profession of advising is incentivized to keep people invested in accounts that they never use. So when, when, my, when, when his mom passed away, I introduced him to my father and watched my father teach 
what, what basically what you and I teach now. And that is how to spend more money over your lifetime just by getting rid of taxes, fees, and market loss. And the, the thing that got me so uh, driven in, in, in why I wanted to do a career change is that there are no advisors teaching what you and I teach, and the public wants to know it exists. There is no advisor, in the, there's no 401k administrator in the, in the entire country that's required to teach the consumer right. how little of that account they actually get to keep if they live through retirement. And more importantly, if they don't, like my friend's mom never lived through retirement. So it gets passed on to her son. She wasn't married. My friend, yeah, the money gets passed on to a 27 year old. And the advisor's advice was roll it over into an IRA, individual retirement account. I go, dude, you're 27 years old. What are the odds of that advisor being in the business when you go to retire? She's not going to help you through retirement. She wants to get paid a fee every single year, regardless if the account goes up or down. And you'll never touch the money. I go, don't you think your mom wanted to help build a house or pay for your wedding or start a business? He said, yeah. And that's, that's when the transition happened. And so I, I don't do drawings any longer. And I would consider this career a heck of a lot more fulfilling because there's so many people that want to understand what we teach. I, I love it. Uh, when, from that transition to being 27, did you just like jump right in? Did you go work for your dad? How did that, how did that transition work? Yeah. So as you can imagine, a lot of um, young men, our ego might get in the way sometimes. And I was very adamant. I, I didn't just want to work for my dad. And I, and I never, I never wanted to just, you know, take over the family business. I wanted to bring value. So I ended up getting into the financial industry, but I changed firms. I worked for a different firm for like five years and um, studied a lot. Just a lot of the concepts that you're, you're familiar with, popular stuff, um, and realized that what my father teaches and what we teach in the breakaway league is extremely valuable. And is it for everybody? Probably not. But I believe that most people in the United States who pay taxes deserve to understand how the tax code works so that when they retire, if they choose not to, they can understand where to keep their assets so that they never have to file a tax return again. I don't believe that everyone should do it, I believe they have the right to understand how to do it. And for those of you listening, the Breakaway League is like a, an elite group for financial advisors that really focus on, would you correct me if I'm wrong, but really focus on getting your money off the radar screen of the IRS, like getting your money into tax-free accounts. Yeah, for income tax purposes, because we do create estates. We create massive estates, but most people would probably pay an estate tax rather than an income tax when you realize what level of wealth you're talking about. But yeah, so we try and get minimize um, income tax for people. And really, it's all about generating more cash flow. And if any business owners listening, think about this. It's like gross versus net numbers. Mm -hmm. Advisors talk about gross numbers all day long. It's here's the account value. Okay, how much is yours? Yep. You have a giant account, pull it out. The IRS is going to get paid, guaranteed. Yep. There's going to be some sort of taxable event most of the time. So the, the net number is what's more important. The Breakaway League teaches retirees how to have much higher net numbers. And it doesn't, they don't, they're not required to take more market risk to get that. It's just understanding little things like the tax code. I love it. I love it. One of the things that I'm excited to have you on is I actually like want to get into the nuts and bolts of this, how this whole thing works. But you, when you explained to me about taxes, yeah, it was a really aha. It was about over a year ago when you kind of gave the presentation and you kind of went through the gross versus net. But then you have so much information about the tax uh, and where our country is going. And one of the questions that I like to ask people, and you you ask the same question, it's like, 
are taxes going up or down? What, what, what's your answer to that, number one? And like, what kind of conversation do you have? Because I want people listening to this to start thinking about this kind of stuff because it's so important. And if you ever, if anyone listening, if you, when you work with an advisor, work with one who is objective, not subject. So when I answer these questions, Caleb, you ask me, what do I think is going on with taxes? That's one subject. But what I love to teach, but what I love to do is teach people. It's education. And then ask the client, well, what do you, where do you think taxes are going to end up? I believe, now this is opinion, I believe there's no way that the taxes can't go up. With all of the social programs that the government's giving out, it has the money has to come from somewhere. Now, here's, here's the part that, it is, that most listeners don't understand. There's two ways, for, just like business, there's two ways to increase revenue for the government. Either they increase their sales, <laughs> which means increase taxes, or they reduce the cost or reduce their spending. What has been the mantra for the last 15, 20 years? What are the odds of the government spending less over our lifetime? It's like zero chance. Zero. So there's tons of economists' books out there that talk about how taxes have to literally double. Well, if I'm in a 0% tax bracket and the taxes double, (laughs) still in a 0% tax bracket. And what is interesting is that most most of our clients, I I like to say that I work with the top 10% of income earners, which sounds, you know, unique or, or, or exclusive. It's really not. Most family members, most of my peers are making around six figures, 80 to $120,000 a year. That's top 10% on average in America. And the reason that that's important is the only way that the IRS knows who's wealthy and who isn't is your tax return. So if I'm showing at six figures of income, I'm wealthy. And when you have all these people out there talking about how, you know, raise taxes on the rich, raise taxes on the, on the rich people. Guys, There's a reason why Warren Buffett says, I pay less tax than my secretary, because he's not taking income, he's taking capital gains growth. He's totally different tax situation. And so when people are making six figures and and trying to buy two cars for the family and trying to afford the mortgage and hopefully put money away for retirement and trying to save for a kid's college, they're the ones that are in the high tax bracket because they're earning the income. And understanding what you do with your dollar after you pay the income tax will determine how many taxes you end up paying for the rest of your life. Right. Four, I was working with a CPA, you know, Brian Bloom. And uh, yeah, I was literally just about, he, we had him on the podcast. I'm going to look at what episode, but I was just about to mention his name. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. We, we've identified 14 different income-based taxes. So which means, here's what that means for everybody listening. You put money into a retirement account or a pre-tax account, IRA, 401k, 403b. At retirement, if you live long enough, when you start taking distributions, that's considered income. Right. And now you are triggering 14 other uh, optional taxes. Those taxes don't have to be paid if you understand where to keep your assets. Right. For the for those of you listening, Brian Bloom's episode was episode 10. One of the best episodes that I've done because he's just so passionate about, uh, and we talked about like life insurance, why he's such a huge fan of the asset, how it works in retirement. And I mean, he's just had a huge impact on both of our lives. And I know you get to work with him personally, which is just super, super cool. He's a mentor in the breakaway league. So I see him at least every week. I, I love working so with him. Let's talk about life insurance because it's one of the most misunderstood asset classes on the marketplace. And when you talk to people about, oh, like, life insurance that isn't that like talk about Tennessee like you're going into some sacred territory there with with some financial advice um, <laughs> like you and I both are a huge you, you and I are both a huge fan of the asset but maybe we we talk about it different than what most people talk about it so when someone goes to you and like Matt like why are you such a huge fan of 
of life insurance. How do you answer that? What's conversations that you have? Pretty fun. And you mentioned Tennessee because that's where financial entertainers live. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. I had a meeting this morning where the, the people said, we just saw a presentation by him and, and it's uh, life insurance is horrible. No one's ever gotten rich on life insurance. The client's 69 years old. I go, if you're not rich now, what do, what do you think the market's going to go on? <laughs> Look at if you work with an advisor and puts you in a mutual fund that gets that 12%, the famous 12% rate of return, that advisor could go to jail because you're 69 years old. There's no way you're going to get rich. Look at now, it's not about getting rich. It's about prolonging and, and maximizing cash flow. And there's tons of ways to use life insurance. You can use it as an asset. You can use it as a replacement asset. You can use it as uh, a gifting asset. Um, the options are endless. And why I like it so much is because it allows me to take control. And, and let me give you an example. I put a ton of money into life insurance every single year. You just saw my why, little Lila Bell. And I know that if I don't make it to retirement, my family will be taken care of. Okay. That's worst case scenario because I want to live a long time. If I, if I do make it to retirement, I now can generate cash flow for the rest of my life that doesn't generate any income tax. And like what Brian probably said, it doesn't even show up on a tax return. So what does that mean? Look, I'm paying a boatload of money into social security tax right now. I don't know about you, but I hate doing that because I don't think I'm going to get a lot out. I'm setting my assets up though, so that whatever anyone is entitled to, I'm going to benefit from that because I paid the tax upfront. And I'll never pay the tax in the future. What the, the problem with traditional planning and the financial entertainer that you mentioned, there's a big difference between a CPA that does tax returns and a CPA that does tax planning. A CPA that does tax returns is just helping you save taxes in that year. Someone who, a CPA that teaches you how to save tax in tax planning, now you're talking about saving taxes for the rest of your life. And if taxes go up in the future, we are in the, the lowest tax bracket of our life right now. I want to pay as much tax as I can today, take the after-tax dollars and buy assets that are off the radar screen of the IRS for income tax purposes. And I'm not subject to Bernie Sanders or Chelsea Clinton getting in and putting her mom's tax plan at 50%. Dude, I, I love I love the energy. I love it so much. And you also <laughs> have a, a, a sort of a nice car. For any car lovers out there, Go follow this guy because he he's, he he'll remind Dude, you. I got a model of it. There. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But talked about. I mean, what's the license plate? Like, talk about that philosophy too. Because the, here's what I don't like about how most people think about their money is they they think someday. Why don't we give up total control? Let's hope. Let's scrimp today. Like you, that's 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 one way to live life. And and just like a kind of a wake up call. Like we only get one shot at this call, thing called life. Right. So you are like living life to the fullest, man. Like you're not, you're not being foolish, but like you're driving a nice car. You have a beautiful family. Talk to me about wh like why that's able to happen. And like, you're kind of coined this idea of drive your retirement. Yeah. And so whatever someone's passion is, it could be cottages or real estate or jewelry, tennis shoes. I don't care what it is. What, what we teach with investing in life insurance is how to buy what you want to buy over and over again. And like you say, E equals MC squared, compounding forever, man. That life insurance allows my money to compound forever. So here's what I do. My license plate on the, I have a Jaguar F-Type R. And the license plate on the Jaguar says retirement plan. And people laugh every time I go to a car show. They're like, what, what, why did you put retirement plan? I said, because I use my retirement plan to buy this. So you don't need a qualified retirement plan to retire. You need money. And where your money sits is more important than the rate of return you're trying to chase. Typical advisors try and get you to get 9, 10, 11, 12% rate of return every year, but they're never going to teach you how to spend it, right? I can post my life insurance as collateral. 
leverage my dead self, <laughs> use the insurance company's money to go buy a Jaguar F-Type R, which is a sweet car, by the way. I can take that to the car shows on the weekend and have fun. The value of my life insurance is going up. The insurance company is paying dividends every single year that I have the money out inside the Jaguar in my driveway. So my net rate of return is actually going up. I'm earning money on the, on the, on the, on the Jag, not losing money on the Jag. The value of the Jag is going down. But my assets are going up. Yeah. And one of the things that I love to point out to people is this idea of lifetime compound growth, because a lot of times we disrespect the value of a dollar in every, every part of our life. Like literally, if you pay cash for things, you, you're sort of disrespecting the value of that dollar because you're not, you're not thinking what that dollar could be worth over 30, 40, 50 years. You finance every single purchase, whether you pay cash or you finance from a bank, you will finance every single purchase. And if you cannot quantify the difference between the two, you're really losing out. There's a line in this book that talks about that. I forget the exact line, but... Speaking of books, you, you wrote, you've written two. Two so far. I got two more coming out this year, but the first one I wrote is called Don't Be Debt-Free and Broke. And I wrote this because at 27 years old, I didn't have nearly as much gray hair. So I didn't look like uh, I knew what I was talking about, which I might not have. But a lot of my friends and peers were going through this thing called um, the mortgage process and or getting out of student loans. Mm -hmm. So I really took it upon myself to understand how debt works and how wealthy people utilize debt. For example, when banks lend money, are they lending their own? Or are they lending someone else's? They're, they're lending someone else's. When Donald Trump builds a, a skyscraper in downtown Chicago, is he using his money or is he using somebody else's? Someone else's. And so when everybody who lives or rents space in those buildings write a rent check, the rent check goes to Trump. Trump is somebody else's money to buy the bill. It's a pretty beautiful thing. So if we understand how debt works, we can leverage other people's money, which you talk about in your book too. This teaches you how to leverage other people's money pay out to, to have good debt. Now, not all debt is equal credit cards, all that stuff. But the book goes over, you know, what debt is good, what debt can um, hurt you. And then I wrote a book called Bombs for uh, Financial Advisors, Power Bombs. It's just filled with over 100 different one-liners or conversation starters for advisors so that they can separate themselves from the field. And it has everything to do with giving the power back to the client rather than the financial industry. So let's go into the power of an EOS and kind of go into that because um, you've been you're, you're pretty noted. I mean, the book that you wrote is is primarily for financial advisors and and really for the the people listening. The majority of financial advisors have really really struggle with the question, "What do you do?" Totally. And one thing that I so admire about you, Matt, is like you have so much clarity and passion, and you not only are successful yourself, but you're helping, you know, hundreds of financial advisors around the country get this. So can you kind of go into the power of an EOS? And even if you're not a financial advisor, this applies to every part of your life. At, like, regardless of where you are, you need to take some notes uh, about what Matt's going to say. Yeah, so this is super powerful. Hopefully, you get a couple of good nuggets off of this too. When And it's funny, because my father designed this, he calls it the explanation of services, or EOS. And basically, it is how do you answer the question? What do you do for a living? Well, when I first got out of architecture, I moved to Chicago and I would design man caves. Like guys in the suburbs uh, would want to redo their garage. But when I got the job, the guy goes, yeah, you can come out and design garages for us. You know, I had a background in architecture and I thought design garages, what is that? They're efficient for me to come out. I said, what do you mean design garages? And they go, well, you know, we do cabinetry, garage flooring. Sometimes we do a car lift, we do organization and, you know, you can design the garage. 
And for like six months, I'm like, I hate the way that they talk about this. So I developed my own EOS. Before I even knew what an EOS was, people would say, what do you do in Chicago? Oh man, I love what I do. I help the man take ownership of the last room in the house that he can call his own, the garage. We put up, we put together all these car lifts and garage flooring and cabinetry, and we make the man cave an awesome place for the husband or the guy to hang out so that he has a place to get away. Has they, have you ever talked to anybody about doing like cabinetry and garage flooring in your garage? And people will be like, oh my gosh, that's cool. I, I want to get involved. So, and then when I get into the financial world, dad was doing the same thing. He's teaching advisors how to communicate when someone says, what do you do for a living? And it's basically set up into three different parts. A statement to grab someone's attention, an example of how you do what you just said in the statement, and then finally, a question of inclusion. And so my book coming out this year is called If. The question of inclusion is, if I could do this for you, would you want me to? I mean, what an easy way. Look, at as, I don't care if you're in the medical device sales world, advising world, car sales. When do you want to know if you have a prospect? Five minutes or five months? Five minutes. Five minutes. Look, at the sooner that I can get to a yes or a no, totally fine with me. I don't care if you don't buy. I just want to know if I'm talking to someone who wants to buy or not. So the EOS allows us to bring a lot of clarity into a world that's filled with confusion. There's a great old saying that I love, complexity is born out of ego, Mm. meaning we make things complex to make ourselves feel better. We don't need to do all that. A confused buyer doesn't take action. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of financial advisors are so confused themselves that they don't, that, you know, but that, that comes and the lack of clarity, just take like zero implementation comes from that. And uh, so, man, I, I think that's super, super valuable. What's your EOS when someone asks you what you do? Man, I love what I do. Well, it depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to a 60 year old, it's going to be different than a 24 year old. Let's, let's talk about, talk to me as an entrepreneur, Matt, what do you do? Um, man, I love what I do. Um, I show business owners how to invest in themselves and put their assets in a place where they can leverage other people's money to grow their own business. For example, most of my young clients think you need a retirement plan to retire and you don't, you need assets. So we take money that they would have been putting into a retirement plan into a place where they, they can leverage other people's money and then invest in themselves. See, I believe that they'll get a better rate of return in their own business than hoping that the S&P does really well. Have you ever worked with an advisor that shows you how to invest in yourself so that you can leverage your assets and use other people's money? Right, and I'm going to play, I'll be like, no, like, do you know one? <laughs> <laughs> no, see, that's exactly what I do. And if I could do that for you, how valuable would that be? If I could, here's a great question. If I could provide you that same value, what would that do to change your world? How would that make your world and, and, change? And then you're getting them to feel, go deeper. And, and, and then I'm a big fan of funnels. And you're essentially making yourself a funnel. You're getting, you're making people identify if, if they don't identify. So if I don't identify as me being my greatest asset, if I don't want to identify with what you said, I'll be like, Matt, you're crazy. I want to, I want to, I believe in the SMP all in. I'm not your guy. And here's, you know what? That's really cool. Caleb is because now I can, I don't have to keep going. I don't have to keep pushing on you. I can go cool. I, I don't want to change your mind. I don't want to persuade you. I don't want to convince you this idea of sales is old, man. I mean, it's like so 2000s. Sales is over with. Education is all that exists. If I could educate you in this way, would you want me to? No? Cool. If I could educate you in this way, would you want me to? No? Cool. I mean, I don't need to, to look desperate. Desperation right. is a very stinky percent. I went, for example, I went to lunch with a billionaire. B. Wow. I took him to my club downtown and I, I'm making it sound cool, right? <laughs> I took this billionaire to my club, take him to lunch. 
and he was complaining about the fees in his 401k for that he man, that he has for all of his employees. And I said, you know, if I could help you save money on those fees in your retirement accounts, would you would you want me to try that? He goes, <laughs> <laughs> nope, I don't I don't need help. No, that's okay. Yeah, we're just gonna keep paying the fee. Okay, well that was the end of my sales pitch. Right. I don't need to push it anymore. Yeah, I, that's it. And I also appreciate you using examples that are not just all successes. You know, that's the reality is like. But here's the deal. Instead oh, yeah. of you spending three, four days trying to put together a proposal and then offer it to him, help him save a bunch of money on fees and then realize it's not even what he wanted, you know? <laughs> I would say this. There is value. There is, you said you appreciated me not just saying all wins, but there's always value in the losses. We just have to find what they are. And by me not having commission right. breath and trying to get a business out of him, when I see him in public, he's very eager to say hi to me. He likes my wife. He's actually sent me business. You need to go talk to Matt. So just because he didn't buy doesn't mean that he still can't be influential to my business. And I believe that I, I would rather be valuable for people, even if they don't buy from me, than just trying to make money. Life is not like, look at money makes everybody, a lot of the problems go away, but it's not going to like solve all your problems. There's a lot of wealthy people that aren't wealthy. And you talk about that a lot. One of the things that I love about you is you work a lot with entrepreneurs. You're an entrepreneur yourself. What's, what's the biggest lessons you've learned from not only your own journey, but working with other entrepreneurs for a living as it relates to the mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they go into business? Yeah, life is not math. You know, money is not, does not work like math. You can apply math to do calculations. It doesn't mean anything. I've seen most, you know, Damon John has a cool book out. It's called The Power of Broke. And I think there's so much meaning in that. That's like, it's going to teach you how to hustle and grind and get up and appreciate things. And people, I think entrepreneurs love to take risks. And a, an advisor's job is to show them how to take calculated risks. And again, where I'm not in the convincing game anymore, what, what I see entrepreneurs do too much is not take care of the exposed potential losses that they don't have to have. You know, little things like having the right insurances, having the right wills and trusts, having all these little things taken care of so that, you know, if you get in a car accident, all your assets aren't exposed in a lawsuit. Like little things like that, it, it create the biggest problems in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Matt, you have a daughter and a beautiful family. And one of the questions that I'd love to kind of end these conversations with is, let's say it's your last day on earth. You have, you, you just know that for a fact and you can't take anything with you, but you, your daughter's old enough where she can understand, uh, and you know, understand conversations and you're with your wife and people that you care with care, care about the most. What kind of things are you going to be talking about? What are you going to try to instill in them? Um, yeah. What, what's that conversation going to look like? I don't want to think of that event. I think of that. I think of every single day as, and I don't want to sound cliche or whatever, but I, I really I, I try not to put that idea on a pedestal. I literally try to do it every day. And the reason is, is that it makes life more fun. So I've had friends say really nice compliments, unwarranted saying, you know, it's fun just being around because you can be inspirational and you got good, you're, 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 you're positive. One of my buddies who's a great, turned into a great friend, he's a client and he turned into a great friend. Um, he goes, you got to come over, just come over. And we talked and he goes, what's up? And he knew something was wrong. He goes, you're just not yourself. You're not power. You're not, powerful. You're not happy. You're not motivating me. What, what's going on? And he pried stuff out of me. I didn't, didn't even know. So I think 
uh, if we, if you could live life like that, I don't think you have to prepare for an event to have it all out at one time. I think if you do it every single day, then. But would that be your, so that would that be your advice? The, the idea of the question is to be like, what, if you could instill one thing in the people that you care with the most, would it be to live every day to the fullest? Totally, man. Gary V, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die. Get over it. Make, when you make life about something bigger than yourself, you, be, you see massive success. And in 2016, as I was studying all these financial things, I've been in the business for seven or eight years. I remember having a conversation with a seasoned advisor and he said, are you going to finish your year strong? And I thought, you know, no, because I'm pushing stuff on these people and they just don't care. And I realized I was pushing my agenda. And when my agenda turned into helping others and taking me out of the equation, I literally skyrocketed ever since then. And, it, and, and when having a family, getting married, having a daughter, all those things, it just compounds that effect. 21-year-old single Matt had a big ego about me being taken over the world. I was going to be a big architect, man. Right, right. And, and it just puts, puts it in perspective. And even starting the interview with your daughter, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful. Why, man, um, how can people, how can people reach out to you? They're like, dude, I uh, relate to taxes. I want to know more about your business. You have a Facebook group that you're doing some exciting things on. So how, how can, how can people uh, stay connected. You definitely want to be following this guy because um, him and I are just going to be growing our businesses and impact together. Yeah, man. We honestly, I, I truly believe that that's going to happen. Um, part a lot with your guidance and uh, knowledge of what how to you know use the whole interweb machine. So, um, but yeah, if you want to connect with me, I have a website mattlove.com. I have a Facebook group called Matt Love Talks Money, and I have clients and friends and family members all in this group that. We're going to be having uh, you know weekly at least conversations. I'll be recording stuff like this with Caleb and, and releasing all that kind of stuff. But we're going to talk real estate. We're going to talk taxation, college savings, retirement, just money stuff. So the group is called Matt Love Talks Money on Facebook and uh, mattlove.com. But you can get my books on my website too. Appreciate it, man. I, I am so grateful that you're in my life. I'm grateful for what you're doing for your clients. And um, yeah, let's, let's make a bigger impact together. I love it, dude. You're, you're a phenomenal in- inspiration for a lot of people. And I'm glad I'm part of the team. Hey, I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation I had with Matt. And I would love to hear your biggest takeaway. So hit me up, info at betterwealthsolutions.com. Go out, have an amazing rest of your day, make the world a better place. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.